Hey there, Perfect Peeps. Welcome back to Perfect.dev. Today, we're going to talk about using a no-code solution with Builder.io. Little did I know, I was so blown away by it. Steve is actually the CEO of Builder, and I was able to convince him to employ me as a new developer advocate. In part two, we'll go through the rest of Builder, all the way from Figma design into a fully blown solution. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io. Visually build on your tech stack. Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. Hey, Steve. How's it going? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Today, we're going to talk all about using no-code with Builder.io. The no-code fad is in, I think, Steve. What do you think? (laughs) All the time, I'm seeing more stuff about it and seeing more cool things. It's, It's pretty exciting. Yeah, so let's let's break it down before we kind of dive in. And I, I'm curious what your background is, uh, your journey that kind of led up to to Builder IO. Um, do you mind talking through kind of your your progression through development and what landed you in the spot? Absolutely. I mean, originally, 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 I had no intention on being a coder myself. <laughs> I actually kind of wanted to avoid it. Uh, back all the way in high school, I started learning like the Adobe Creative Suite. So design oh. tools, Premiere Pro, After Effects, Photoshop. And it was really amazing how like, yeah, there is an initial learning curve for, to a lot of those. But like you can start at a reasonable level and then you can just start getting deeper and deeper and you find tutorials online. I don't know if you know Video Copilot, but back in the day, that was like oh, yeah. the coolest way to learn After Effects. And it was amazing how you could just incrementally adopt new skills. And I remember being so excited and being like, oh, wait. Uh, now I got to find the app for coding and I got to just learn the coding visually incrementally. And I remember I found Dreamweaver. I was like, oh, this is the one, right? <laughs> I started using it and going, oh no, <laughs> this everything changes when you go into Dreamweaver. This is not the typical creative suite experience. And I remember- I, going, I like, think this the amazing crazy. part of that is anyone that's kind of our age, we all went through Dreamweaver. So it just tells <laughs> the story of like how popular it was. Yeah, it was just, it was just, I guess the only thing and it was made by the company who makes the other things that are good and just, it is what it is. And I mean, it took me like, it took me like a decade to understand like why there was no After Effects for coding like equivalents. <laughs> and actually Adobe Flash was kind of awesome for a while. Yeah, yeah, uh, it really kind was. Kind of the closest thing. I mean, honestly, tools, even like Builder is almost trying to reproduce a lot of the great things about that in, on the creation side. Um, and there's others out there too, which is funny, but Anyway, I eventually got to a point where uh, I realized there's no app for this, so I'm going to have to learn to code. Um, I was actually in college when the iPhone 3G came out, which I believe was the version that came with the App Store. And I remember seeing news that Angry Birds and Doodle Jump are making millions of dollars. And I was like, what? Like making apps as a business? This is not what I expected. And so I I was in in college at UC Berkeley and I was just studying kind of whatever. I actually was studying business because I thought they would teach you entrepreneurship. And I realized, no, they teach you like consulting finances. Like I was like, what am I? I don't know what I'm doing at this point. (laughs) And so I started learning how to make a, you know, make iPhone apps, uh, basic web development stuff, and actually ended up um, getting into entrepreneurship that way and realizing that once you acquire these skills, it is very exciting. Like once you understand the pieces and there's one heck of a learning curve, then you can start making anything and then you can start incrementally learning. You make the most basic app, basic app or website. But then when you start getting the groove, you start researching and Googling and Stack Overflow and then you start building this amazing skill set. And I remember being obsessed this whole time with like, wow, but like, what if you could skip that first learning curve and start visual and kind of get deeper a little bit at a time, you know, incrementally. And, you know, and I saw like 
some people in the space doing drag and drop. And I remember we seeing Webflow coming out when they added the CMS. I was like, oh, this stuff is happening. It's exciting. But also like, wait, I wanted to be in this business. And I mean, at this point, you can't just copy what else is out there. They're going to win, you know, at what they already know how to do well. And so while I was kind of like obsessed with this topic and making my own prototypes, like I, I bought the builder.io domain in like 2013. And I think I had five wow. different flavors of it <laughs> between now and then. Yeah. Out for ten dollars, <laughs> it was cheap back then. It's a great deal. Uh, I mean, they're only like twelve now. Somebody told me the other day that uh, you can get Cloudflare for a dollar a domain. I'm like, what? That's so. awesome. <laughs> yeah, some of the top level domains are really cheap too. Some are weirdly expensive as well. But yeah, I know I I O seems to be more expensive for some reason. I think those are still like forty five on Google domains. So, oh wow. But anyways, oh. sorry, I totally interrupt you. No, you're all good. I think the topic is actually an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I ended up um, I was doing this startup in e-commerce. Uh, we got acquired by this company called ShopStyle. They like search all the different um, online stores and like shop it all in one place. It's pretty cool. And I was working on uh, leading their web engineering team, and we realized realized something really interesting that was really exciting to me, which is like, wait a second, tools like Webflow, Wix, Squarespace, and all of these are really great when you have a very isolated use case. Like you can make a site that can be within the sort of boundaries that they support really well. But as soon as you need to go outside the boundaries, like for shopsell.com, we have this very advanced search interface connected to this custom backend e-commerce API and all this stuff. Suddenly, all those amazing no-code tools, you just got to throw them away and you have, you're left with no options. The only option is developers code up everything. <laughs> so like, you know, in e-commerce in particular, marketing teams are always needing to create new campaigns, launch new content, launch new landing pages, shop this thing coming in from ads, social media, email campaigns. There's tons of content created. And um, brand and aesthetic and everything's really important. And so the stuff has to be very bespoke oftentimes. So I accidentally ended up realizing at a certain point, I was just leading a team of web engineers to just crunch out this basic HTML and CSS content within this uh, Angular site or Angular app. Um, Shops.com was, was pretty modern and it's a tech stack at the time. Um, and But it had the constraint of, you know, everything had to be in Angular and there were not tools for any of these new Jamstack front ends to power any bespoke anything. And so our developers were cranking things out. We, we hooked up various headless CMSs and they only offered like control, you know, the image and the box, but then somebody needs a new button, uh, tweak the copy, tweak the, the design. And it was just back to developers. It was this awful workflow. And then like, it kind of like dawned on me. I was like, wait a second, this whole Webflow thing I really wanted to do. What if I could just make one that was compatible with, you know, Angulars and Reacts and stuff like that? And it was this whole idea of like this fascination that, you know, businesses have this problem as much, if not more than anybody. Uh, they have unique constraints. Uh, as a developer now, I, it was an interesting just I.O. problem. Input needs to be drag and drop and output needs to be good, fast Angular code <laughs> that can be dynamically right. loaded and everything. Um, developers have these great components for products and sign up forms. And so if they could use those in a drag and drop no code editor, connect all the backend APIs, but just load within these Angular app, that would solve the problem with the massive caveat that I didn't know if that technology was actually achievably possible. <laughs> it sounds a little bit pipe dreamy. And so um, I was getting pretty bored with my job. So I left my job. I'm like, I'm just going to prototype this. I, I was like, had been saving up. So I'm like, I'll just take some time seeing if we can make this even work at all. So I kind of made this drag and drop for Angular, drag and drop your components. I remember at a certain point having this weird epiphany, starting with like the component assembler, you know, products here, this here, click publish. It can render on the site very clean and everything. Then I remember having this epiphany one day. I was like, wait what if the component was just a div and you can apply styling? And then that just turned into a full on like no code thing. And so now, now Builder is just totally transformed into plug it into your site or app. You can register your components and just 
the rest of your team just gets this no code interface, completely customizable by developers. So if you don't want them to have too much control, you can lock it down and not worry. Or if you're like, hey, I'm just tired of these requests and I've got this amazing design and marketing team and they can just take things from there. And next thing you know, we're on, we're on tons of websites now. We're on like Everlane and Vistaprint. And so you can go to our website and see all the logos. But turns out I, I never would have imagined that Everlane.com, for instance, would be powered by a drag and drop editor. And it's not entirely. It's worth specifying. This is within their code base. They're hosted on things like uh, Cloudflare, I think. And they use Next.js and uh, various things. But within that, you know, they started using us like many customers start with us. Throw us in, start creating some landing pages with no code. It's exciting and awesome, and it uses their React components right there. It's all server-side rendered and performance and stuff. They can measure analytics, and the marketing team can see this is converting, these pages working, run A-B tests or personalize. Um, and then it just starts taking over, and then it just shows up. They're like, hey, we need updates to the homepage. Well, let's just rip out the old stuff and put Builder there. <laughs> we need you know, we need to control this section of the collection page and this part of the product page, and then it just starts kind of like setting off like wildfire. And it never, Builder never completely controls somebody's website at the end of the day. It just, you just look at your site and say, what should marketers control and what should developers control? And you just split it up. So the homepage of Everlane is mostly all Builder. The product page is mostly code. The collection page is like 50-50. And uh, it, it turns out to be a good system that can work really well. Yeah, I think this still like sounds pipe dreamy. So we're definitely going to have to break <laughs> all of this down. Um, yeah. I, I, the only reason I say that is like, I think people are are listening to you and they're going, oh, this is just not another WordPress or this is like Wix. So can we can we talk a minute and like compare uh, like a Wix yes. or, a, you know, Squarespace to what Builder is trying to achieve? Yeah, 100%. I'm happy to sort of like rattle off thoughts. Please feel free to just interrupt me with any questions. I can ramble forever on this topic. <laughs> no, that's great. I think this is the big differentiator. Like if people can understand the difference of that, like Word, uh, WordPress or like Wix to what Builder is actually doing, I think it'll click in the best. Yeah. So honestly, the big difference is... Um, I'll use the simple definition, which will be very abstract. But the big difference is that we're headless, <laughs> which sounds weird. Headless, no code is like, what? <laughs> right. So let me right. let me explain that for a second. And that was the big uh, big realization when we realized this can work. It's it's fascinating the implications. Um, so let's start let's start with the implications. Let's start with like um, Wix, Webflow, Squarespace, all the other like um, site builders. Like one way I pitch builder to many people, especially if they don't have a technology background, is just like, hey. Um, you know, if you're an individual, you can make a website in no time. You can just spin up a Squarespace, Wix, Webflow site, have full control, publish it live. It's amazing. Uh, but as soon as you're a, have a your business and you have these all sorts of bespoke needs on how you need to host and write your code and have workflows, uh, suddenly you don't have any of that, but you always want it. Everybody wants to be able to just drag and drop and control these pages. Um, and so the big key difference there is when you use any of these other options I named, they control your whole stack. Um, so you spin up the site and then usually the only control you get outside of that is you can paste like custom HTML. Um, sometimes that's locked down, but the, for sure. the most part, that means it's going to load client side only potentially. It's not going to be very performance and you really are in this, um, kind of island compared to the rest of the technology ecosystem. So I think one of the, those tools work really, really well for, I think two things, um, Small businesses and individuals, amazing, freelancers, stuff like that, or microsites. So a large company might make a subsite that doesn't need all sorts of advanced requirements to a campaign or something. 
um, they can work really well. But if you're in Everlane, Vistaprint, Afterpay, ShopStyle, um, you need to have control of your tech stack, the APIs, the front end technologies, the hosting layers, and you need to always be on the latest and greatest for performance because especially in e-commerce, anything that's not perfect in terms of performance is directly eating at your conversions, aka your bottom line. So they need to be on their tech stack and builder is the only thing that just plugs into what you have. So you just take an API or an SDK for React. It's just like a React component. Um, and you just drop it in where you want your non-developers to control it. And so if you put it on your homepage between your header and footer, and again, it's just a component in your code like anything else, um, you'll use whatever framework of choice is loading options. So Next.js, it's Git Static Pops, um, you know, Gatsby, it's GraphQL, whatever it is. But you just pull the data from our API. Our API just delivers you JSON and the JSON describes the components to render. It's like, okay, hero here with these props and below that should be products with this collection. And then we provide an SDK that's sort of a, um, somebody described it in a cool way the other day. They called it in uh, a dynamic interpreter or a front end interpreter or something. I thought it was neat how they said it, but it is, it's an interpreter. It, it loops over the JSON. It can be recursive and says, cool, hero here, products there, a div with these styles and background image there. And ta-da, you've got a fully React app, but somebody actually used our drag and drop editor to produce that content. Um, and it's completely headless and API driven. So it connects to anything. And it means you can leverage all of the latest advancements in the ecosystem. Like one thing that Next.js just announced is this thing called edge middleware that makes it possible to make it ridiculously fast um, to send personalized content. That's huge. So if, you, if you're using that and you go to your homepage, people who generally shop men's products will see men's products and people who generally shop women's will see women's and you can control that with UIs and it's just crazy fast. If you were like, hey, I want that on, you know, I'll just pick a random one to pick on. I want that on Squarespace. It's like, well, Squarespace would have to implement that. You don't know if they ever will. And so you're right. kind of in this island and you rather would be in a ecosystem where you're always on the most latest greatest. You can compose what you want. And that's the big difference, I think, from like WordPress. WordPress is of the monolithic generation. Um, WordPress is the CMS. Things plug into it, sometimes elegantly, sometimes not so elegantly. Um, and then you kind of get what you get with it versus when you use the headless, like composable strategy, you pick your building blocks. I want Next.js, Vercel, Builder, you know, Shopify. And there you go. You're in full control and you kind of get all the best of all worlds with one caveat that sometimes the composability can leave you jumping between 20 tools to accomplish one task. So that's where we do a lot of integrations to pull a lot of that in. So you can run the A-B test with your favorite A-B testing tool, connect to the review tool you like and stuff like that. So it brings a little bit of those advantages. Would you mind, uh, and I am a total noob to the Builder.io platform. I, I kind of clicked a I think it said, do you want to get started? And I said, yes, sure. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take us off the screen here and uh, just go full screen. Would you mind walking me through kind of what uh, a builder setup might look like? So we Yeah, have, absolutely. Um, it looks like it's still like page driven, I believe, right? Yeah, so it's it's technically it's um it's model driven like most headless CMSs. Okay. So in Builder, the number one most common first starting point is just create landing pages in Builder. So you just create five pages at slash about slash whatever whatever sure. and just pump it into your Next.js app or whatever. So yeah, we can do we can do one of two things. You tell me what's interesting to you. One, we could do the integration, which kind of shows how the pieces fit. That might be one of the most interesting. Or we can do like the visual editing, like let's put something together with the no code UIs. 
I think um, I don't know how we'll arrive to it, but I think the cool thing is going to be to show a page and then show like an export into components. So whatever gets totally. us there, I think would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's two paths there, but let's take the the common path. Okay. So why don't that, that works. Um, I do have to quickly call out. I love the Andra drawing and huge props. So uh, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Andra. That's awesome. No, I love the work so much. Uh, it's awesome that you knew. I use it on everything. She's amazing. Yes. Uh, I'm oh. totally forget the name, but I will link it in the, in the bottom of the post. Yes, please do. I'm a huge fan as well. Um, and yeah, let's go into, oh, you know, it's funny. One thing that inspired us from um, her website, the fact that you can choose the color and you see all the images yep. update using that color. We're like, wow, we, you know, the funniest thing we learned we create templates that you can use in Builder, like just starting points. And what people do is if they sell shoes, they look for the template that has shoes. It doesn't matter if right. the template is what they actually wanted. They just look for shoes. So we're like, you know, we need to do just like that website and have like, what is it about your business? Like you sell a certain thing or whatever. So it fits, the images fit, and then it actually looks on brand. It makes a big difference. But anyway, I don't want to totally. distract. Let's jump into so let's get you set up locally if it's good. If you're able to, do you have an easy setup to be able to like pull up a terminal, run a Git oh, yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. whatever we want to do. Um, yeah. You want terminal or like VS Code? Let's go into a new tab real quick and let's go to our GitHub. It's like, um, okay. I could put it in the chat, but it's github.com slash builder.io, just one word, and then slash builder. This is a repo with a bunch of open source stuff, plugins to the platform examples, all the cool. SDK packages. Um, and let's go into, um, go to examples. And then there's like something called Next.js, uh, simple Next.js. Yeah, go into that. Awesome. And then, yeah, this is the one we'll do. So here there's a big old readme that describes everything, but really we'll just start by cloning the whole code and we'll CD into there. So if you can grab, yeah, probably at the root, it'll give you the, cool. Let's do a Git clone of that, and then we'll just get it all set up locally, and we'll, we should see a lot that way. Awesome. Okay, now that now that we have the code pulled down, I opened up the example folder for Next.js Simple um, in that directory, and it looks like we're good to go. Do we have to install like a CLI now? Uh, no, you're all good. We can cool. just go in here. Let's get our dev server running, so you can just... We could do th two things, actually. We could take a tour of the code, or we can just kind of get it running. npm run dev will be, whoa, there's a way to just see the scripts. What? What yeah, did you just do? If you just do npm, I use this all the time. If you just do npm run, it'll uh, just show them all. What? I don't know. Yeah. I never knew I, lo I love that trick, because I can never remember them all. I'm just realizing I, I probably didn't install everything yet. So let's do that. Too. Oh, yes. Good call. I didn't know if there was like an npx version. I'm that always throws sure. me off with like Next.js and stuff and NPX this and that and everything else that you can run. Yes. I still can't believe though. I've been using Node.js for honestly since the year that it came out. And I never knew you could just say NPM run and just see the scripts <laughs> listed for you. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like this whole bit, right? Like scroll, scroll. Yeah. I'm always digging through that. Exactly. And it's, it's a mess. I mean, for like a, a really like mature project, it's like, whoa, it becomes a mess. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, cool. So yeah, I'll throw the npm run in again. It looks like uh, it's just a, a Next.js site, correct? Perfect. Yeah, so right. just you could do an npm run dev. We'll get that server going and we'll just do two things. Let's also take a quick tour of the code. If you open your pages folder, so first thing you'll notice is there's only one page registered here and it's yep. just the dot, dot, dot page, right? So <laughs> yeah. exactly. 
And so, and obviously you can add all of your own hard-coded pages as you need, right? You can add your own index, this and that, and Builder can be the fallback for everything else. Um, and there's really only two things to point out here. One is the rendering the page content. So the component you're looking at now is really just saying, hey, do we have a prop for the page? And so the page content is JSON. Um, that Builder component is a React component that literally just says JSON.foreach, you know, the first thing is this component, there's a way we'll see to register your own. So it has a reference to it, but it just says, cool, render this, render that, the normal React VDOM way. So it works server static, et cetera. Sweet. And then yeah, ab above we have a git static props function where we use our SDK to just say essentially, hey builder, do you have JSON representation of a page at this URL? If not, 404, if so, we're gonna pass that to that builder component to render our components or whatever was de designed dynamically for us. And that's literally it. You can just add this one file. Perfect. So let's go to, um, do you see the, on the left side, um, there's a little person with a circle. Yeah, click the accounts button. And we're gonna grab an API key, but it's a public one, so it's okay to display. I copy that, cool. Let's go back to the Next.js um, code in VS Code. We're just going to paste this so it's connected to the builder space. Oh, oh that's why. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, that was easier than we thought. Uh, yeah, that explains a ton. All right. We'll just do that for now. Perfect. Cool. This is one of those examples we found that makes it hard to create like really good onboarding. We're working on good onboarding for our product, and it's, uh, hey, look at that. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, we're getting a random error, but we can delete some of the content. Maybe some of the templates uh, you chose as something that um, actually you may even know what this is, but we can kind of reset a little bit and get um, get one of those blocks out of there that's got something that's not making our Next.js server happy. Uh, so why don't we do this? I would recommend hitting Command A to just select all. And then- On, on Builder in here? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anything focused, uh, and then just hit delete. Just wipe it all out. There you go. And then let's start from scratch, but, but here's what's cool. So you use the drag and drop editor. Um, you can see you can just do the typical no-code stuff. Uh, nothing should be totally surprising there. There's some cool power features kind of in there, but we'll ignore that for now. What's cool is, first, this is actually running on your Next.js site. So all this drag and drop editing is is in your site. So like if you go back to like app.tsx and Next.js and you just like write hello world at the top, like simulating as if you had a header. Yeah, like you wrap that in a div or a fragment and you just say hello world. So you have essentially like a fake header. Um, you'll see that you actually are editing on this site. Exactly. And then refresh and builder. There you go. So you can see that there. And then if you refresh, there we go. It just auto reloads. That is wild. Isn't that weird? <laughs> like it's I don't even cool. understand that. Like how is that pulling <laughs> that in? Yeah, so I'll try to explain. So it's really the reverse of what you might be thinking. Um, Builder's just loading your local 3000 in an iframe and it's detecting where that builder component is. And what that builder component's doing is it's listening for messages um, like window post messages and it's just, um, we're messaging down essentially to ignore the API, what the API is giving and just saying, use this JSON instead. And then anytime you edit, we're like, no, use this, no, use this, no, use that. Wow. <laughs> and we have a, yeah. And it's cool because the interpreter can just uh, render anything. It doesn't matter. So, so this box, is the, the flexibility we talked about here is the fact that like you could be looking at like a marketing piece right now 
as well as whatever this site has going on. Essentially. Exactly. So you're getting kind of a live preview of everything going on in your app. Exactly. That's, no, that's really wild. And what's cool is all those building blocks on the left, you see column section, we even have things like form components and you can add like a widgets library for carousels and tabs and stuff. Uh, those are all React components. So you're just assembling React components, but here's a super cool part. Um, you can define your own React components. And so you can essentially build your own site builder or page builder where you create your own hero component or anything else you want. And that's oh. where something really cool happens. In fact, if you go into a new tab and type for me, um, new browser tab, I mean, uh, type for me atoms.com, like the uh, atom, like um, uh, uh, molecule. Yeah, exactly. Slash Bitcoin. <laughs> Took me a minute. So this is the coolest thing. So this is made in Builder, but it's it's that perfect fusion of developers made this awesome React component with this interactive like canvas graphic. And the marketers dropped that in, dropped in this like video of the shoe. If you scroll down, you'll see all sorts of interactive content. That's what happens when you finally like bring designers, developers, and marketers together where they're all collaborating directly, uh, where they amplify each other as opposed to block each other. So it's really strange because when we first built this product, we thought this is for designers. And we realized like, because the problem in our heads was the interdependency between teams is a problem. And you know what we realized is the problem is not the fact that teams are teams. A, a team that has the right components can be far more valuable than the sum of its parts. But the workflows were all wrong. Everybody is always dependent on each other as opposed to yeah. like amplifying each other. So a developer creates a component. It can be used in infinite many ways in the drag and drop editor to create the most amazing, ridiculously awesome stuff. And anytime a marketer is like, well, I need something super bespoke and advanced. It's not like, well, throw away the site builder. It's like, no, just register it in your code. It takes five seconds. And like, it's crazy what people make with this. It's awesome. It's so exciting. That That, that is truly amazing. So uh, I'm kind of curious on the, the framing side of things. A lot of times like local host isn't going to work for a marketing person. And um, typically what they're going to want is kind of like a dev preview site or something like that. Is that where kind of the CMS part of this comes into play or can you still do things in builder against a, a, a dev version or a staging version of your site? Yeah, exactly. So that's what most people do. So most people will then uh, finish the integration. In fact, we can do one more cool thing in a moment where we register a component. There's kind of like a weird aha moment when we do that. That's kind of fun to show. Um, but once you kind of like have where you want Builder integrated, you know, landing pages or pieces of pages, and then you register some components, push that to staging, you'd go back and update where you previously put localhost, you put the staging site URL. Um, if you're using something like Netlify or Vercel, they make it so easy to have one of those just synced to a branch. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, that's it. And people are just dragging and dropping on that. They're previewing there and then they can choose when things go live. And that's where you get great collaboration too, is because, you know, designer needs something, marketer needs something, developer, cool, I push it to staging. Now they can work within the editor and they can start publishing and keeping everything in sync. So let's do one other thing. Let's go back to the Next.js code and let's um, let's just make, let's make, so what's cool about this is you can use uh, any of your React libraries. So say you like to use Tailwind or Material UI or they call it MUI now uh, or MUI, I'm not sure which is, which is right. Um, I love Tailwind. Tailwind. Guys. Yes. Um, oh, we should probably kind of make this thing preloaded with Tailwind. Tailwind is like overwhelmingly popular for good reason lately. But let's. Uh, I, I, so let's. I think last time we talked, we were. I was like, "Can you export these uh, into Tailwind?" And you're like, "It's coming." I swear. 
<laughs> it is, but what's cool is, um, so we do offer code export, but that's really just for people to have the comfort that if they ever like create, a lot of people hesitate to adopt a tool like this because they're like, well, what if we build, end up building like most of our site on it and then we want to get off one day for whatever reason? That's where yeah. like, great, we have APIs to copy down all the content as JSON. And we have this awesome open source project called Mitosis that converts the JSON to React, Svelte, anything. And that's where I'm like, hey, we can convert this stuff to we have like for React, we have various style libraries. You can do style components, style JSX, emotions. Like, cool, let's make Tailwind an output. That'd be really easy to do. So that's why yeah, it's a common comment. But let's make, let's open the code editor one more time. Go to the components folder. Maybe you can open up and see if anything's in there. Uh, let's ignore link. Let's just right click components and just sit like new file. And let's make something like called hero.tsx maybe. Cool. And then let's just make a component like export function hero and uh, the link one. <laughs> I mean, that works. Yeah, rename it, all that good stuff. And oh, then we yeah. can just return. Proper TypeScript, folks. If you haven't seen it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, honestly, I never, that's one of our engineers. I never bothered to go this deep on the typings <laughs> of like React components. Um, but yeah, so maybe, I mean, you can return like, let's do this. Return like an H1. And let's assume it takes like a title prop. So yeah, h1 and then squiggle props.title, like as the text content instead of title. I think title oh, is really oh. like a tooltip. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. It's like an h1 config. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it's also very hard to like uh, speak in code because you don't speak the, the squiggly things. <laughs> so you just say yeah. title and it's like, well, where? But yeah, Maybe just make it props.title. Or, cool. or make the oh, title yeah. expanded yeah, up work. above it, either one. Cool. cool. And let's do, let's do one more thing. Let's uh, assume we have a props.color. This will be kind of fun. So let's go to the H1 and say style equals color colon props.color. Of course, if you're using a styling library, you know, you'd use that, but you get the idea. Oops. Uh, are we trying to do, so we got to do, hang on, hang on. Just gotta do color. We're just assuming, yes props.color. We're assuming we have props or a title and color. Okay, cool. Perfect. Now let's do one more thing and let's do, let's make a new import. Actually go to that page.tsx. We can copy and paste the import line because <laughs> it'll be so hard to speak it. Let's go to the top, find the build.io slash react. Yeah, grab that whole line and let's bring that over to hero.tsx. Nice. And then go to the bottom of your file and type capital B builder and then dot, that one's the right one. Yep. And then dot register component should autocomplete TypeScript magic. Yes. And then open curly, it's a function. Pass capital H hero as the first argument. I'm sorry, not open curly, open parentheses. <laughs> yes. uh, so, sorry, uh, what are we passing? Capital the H hero. hero. So that's, so this is cool. I'll explain this for a moment and we can type the rest. So this is just telling builder, hey, I have a component called hero and here's a reference to it. So later the renderer can say, oh, you want to render a hero? I have the reference and I can just use virtual DOM to render that. So okay. pass a second argument. The second argument is an object. And let's just say um, name colon hero as a string. Yes. And then... Uh, comma, uh, we'll do inputs colon, and it's gonna be an array. Yes. And microphone's uh, in my way, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I probably won't have to type much more in a second, we're almost there. So it's we have good. two inputs, 
we have title, which is text, and we have color, which is a color. So let's say exactly, but we'll make it an object. And I think it's uh, the first input is an object and call it, I think it's the field is called name. So it's name colon um, and the string value is title. Sorry, the other way. I can also type it in the chat too, what you want. Yeah, name colon and the string title. Uh, yes. Something like that? Or does uh, it just actually do... need to be title? Yeah, it needs to match the name of the prop. So the name of this input is the name of the prop. Let's do gotcha. comma um, type colon and then the string uh, that just says string. So we're saying the type is string. Yes. And cool. then, um, and let's just do that one more time. Let's make another input and it's name, color, type, color. And in most cases, we'd add default values, but let's uh, save us from typing a bunch and just do it. Actually, let's add default value. Sorry. Okay. Go to title, add comma, default value, camel case, colon, yes. And hello world or something. And then for color, maybe just do default value colon and just like blue uh, as a I'm string. I'm my my favorite one. We'll see if it actually works. Uh, no, it's it's probably not going to a style. I'm gonna try. Is it a CSS color? Is like yeah. steel blue? Oh no, you're right. I was gonna do a, a hex. <laughs> you could do hex. Yeah, hex works. RGBO works. Literally any valid CSS color value works. You have a specific. You know the exact hex code for your favorite <laughs> color. I hope I'm getting it right. We <laughs> should be the uh, coding cat dev purple folks. We'll see if it actually is correct. Perfect. So yeah, save that. And let's do one more thing. Go to page.tsx. And we just need to import this. We need to make sure when Next.js bundles this page, we include that one component. So just import path to we'll components. Oh yeah, good idea. Or <laughs> debugging. Yep. You don't even have to pull the hero. It doesn't matter. And then oh, sorry. Import. Well, just well, import you... and then you were there. It's just import and then the uh, the string. So dot dot slash. Yeah, components. Yep, slash hero. Cool. So this just makes sure Next.js bundles that, so it includes that component, so we can render it when the JSON says, "Hey, this component exists." And I can also show you in a doc in a minute if you like that actually shows what the code looks like under the hood. This interpretive rendering, the JSON, all of that stuff too. So maybe we can see it. Uh, so now you should be good, by the way. If you flip back to your browser tab in Builder, let's see this end to end, and then I can maybe explain a little bit how it works under the hood. Do so you want to um, here or? Nothing will happen there. Go to yeah. um, go back to the tab where you had Builder's drag and drop editor, and then hit the show more button on the left kind of middle. There's like this show more, yes. And then see that hero under code components? Yes. Yes, drag that over. Ta-da. <laughs> now double click on it. <laughs> and then change the title, change the color. This is your component. Hey, this could be attached to Tailwind. Right. Yeah, you nailed it. That's it. You get a color picker. All these input types are actually plugins. So you can create your own plugins. Like you can have a Tailwind plugin that only pulls from like the Tailwind styles and colors and stuff like that. It's, it's the editor is super hackable. It's, this is all made for developers. It's a toolkit to pass to your non-developers to make awesome things without you needing to be involved. But if you want to be awesome and amplify them, you can anytime.
I, I have to be honest things. with you. My brain is slightly broken right now. Um, <laughs> so, so for folks that are on audio, I, I hope I didn't completely lose you in all of this. I, I might have. Go check out the YouTube channel because it'll make more sense. But um, this whole builder.register component, is that actually like firing an API somehow out? How does it know? <laughs> like that's the part that's messed up in my head. In yeah. VS Code, we just created a React component and magically, it showed up in the components list, and it's showing within Builder.io. I just, like, what? It's cool, right? I, I can show you how it works. I can show it's and amazing. explain. So let's go. I think you have our website in the first tab. I can show you how yep. to navigate to a document that outlines this. So hover over resources uh, in the top nav, and then go to, uh, I guess, user guides. We should probably change the documentation. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then go to... Very top left, Builder Technical Overview, I think is the document we want. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's scroll down a tiny bit, and there will be some code examples. Okay. So first, that's what the JSON looks like. There's two things going on here. One is this array called blocks, where you see like component, name, text. Uh, and I can show you something cool in the Builder Editor, where you can actually preview and modify this JSON kind of in uh, the UI too, which is neat. But so what you just made is it generated for you the JSON that'll say component, name, hero, options, and it'll be like title, you said codingcat.dev, and the color will be the default still, the purple. Yep. And then when you add more blocks below, it just populates that JSON. And then we have another cool thing called custom fields. It's a lot like other headless CMSs. You might want to also, when anybody makes a page, you might want to ask like, what should the OG image be and stuff? And that you just render, you saw how you have access to that data and the static props and just render it with next head. And then scroll down, we can see how the editor works. So, so uh, just just for folks again on audio, or if you're not watching, um, what, what we're kind of showing here, it's very similar to like what Sanity IO does with their block content, or if Notion, if you're checking out Notion's API, same same kind of deal. So it's describing the, in this case, it's it's more than the text. It's describing like an entire component for builder to use. Exactly, cool. and then. There we go. And so we mentioned you register the components. We already did that. So if you scroll down a little bit more, so actually see that component map thing. So that's where we keep an internal map. So you said we have something called hero. Here's a reference to hero. Cool. So we just store that. We just know we got something called hero. And if somebody asks for hero, that's how we render it. And then down a little lower, that builder component equals, that's where uh, up a little bit higher. Oop, we'll get to sorry. that in a second. See where it says uh, blocks.map. That's it. So every time we have a block, we say, give me the name. Give me the reference, render it with the options. Ta-da, you've just built a drag and drop editor. Like obviously when you add more layers, then all the rich functionality comes. But under the hood, that's all it is. Builder V0, like three years ago, was basically just that. And then if you scroll down the tiniest bit more, like focus this visual, this describes the way things are just showing up automatically is we're using a lot of window messaging between the iframe and the parent page. And so when you registered the component, Next.js did a live reload. And when Builder initializes, the SDK goes, oh, I'm being edited right now. Here's the components that are registered. And the parent frame just lists them. And then when you drop them on, it just tells the iframe, your actual website, hey, render this hero now. Here's the new options. And then uh, in a nutshell, that's it. That's all that's happening. It's actually less crazy than you might think. But it, the yeah. result is kind of magical. <laughs> it's totally magical. I think what I missed in that was that we were on the, the local side of this, we were actually exposing the React component. So the browser yes. has it. And that's why when we iframed it in, it was able to like the registering, put it over to the sidebar. And that JSON said, go get this thing that we are using in React and go ahead and exactly. show it. It's, 
It's because of establishing that connection to the local host, right? Yes, exactly. That's and that's very, where... very neat. And I don't know how you thought of this or I, I don't know if you originally designed this or whoever, but it's that was me. Unbelievable. Trial and error. Hunter was in trial and error. <laughs> I tried it like amazing. eight other ways first and there were eight bad ideas. <laughs> and then this one came, <laughs> came to be, I think that's how a lot of good things come to be, I think. Um, or maybe if you're so... smarter than myself, you, you would have known better. <laughs> So oddly enough, um, I'm sitting here thinking as like um, my my original language here. I'll pop us both up so you can hear see all my hand gestures because that's important. Um, yeah. As as kind of a Angular first, I, I first learned Angular as a framework and then kind of went and React. This is totally possible in in all of those frameworks. Then because all of all that you're doing is you're kind of getting those components into the actual browser and then referencing them. So from there on out, you're good to go. This is exactly. really special. This this is honestly more special than I thought it was. So that's incredible. <laughs> well, this that's where we speed up development so much. Um, for this round, uh, for for phase one of Builder IO, uh, it is time to go through our perfect picks. I'll go first, so you can kind of get a feel for it, Steve, in case you haven't done it before or heard totally. the pod before. Um, my first pick, um, I was, I was listening to this cool thing about Cloudinary. I'm, I'm a Cloudinary geek. I'm a Cloudinary MD. I'm always checking all these out. Um, Kobe Fayak has this cool thing, which he claims he, he wrote this to get hired by Cloudinary, which I a hundred percent believe, uh, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, you can take and actually, so what I'm doing here on our namespace, which actually under the hood, it's like media.codingcat.dev, but this was original name. So ignore that part. It is codingcat.dev. Um, I go out and grab this template. And what this template actually is, um, I'm totally going to forget the URL. Just pretend we know this URL. So the template underneath is a photo. And all that consists of is um, the kind of the image of AJ and his headphones and perfect.dev. And then the other two things that we can do, I'm going to start automating our template creation. So like when Steve joined up, it's going to go out to Twitter API, pull his image, scrub the background. And what we end up with typically, let me bring over my, my Notion page real quick here. Uh, so this is, this is what we typically end up with, um, if you can see that. So Steve kind of drops in there. But I have to go do this every time in Figma. Instead of doing that, I'm going to do something like Koyas here where the title is going to go on. So if I blank out this title um, and put something back in, I guess it doesn't like empty. Um, it's actually using Cloudinary to do the overlays on top of this. And this is going to be the entire way that we do uh, templates from here on out. So I don't know if it'll That's work awesome. perfectly because I'm a little concerned with like outputs to like uh, YouTube. Um, but as long as we can pull that PNG from Cloudinary after we get done, which I'm sure we can, um, this is how you can do it. So what I wanted to show off, um, I'll put a, a link in all the the spots we put links and on the the actual uh, the post out on CodingCAD Dev under under podcasts under this episode. You can see how Kobe made this. I'll, I'll link out to the GitHub repo and it'll show all of the, the coolness that actually comes out in Cloudinary in the URL. So I always like to call these like a, a special URL. This massive thing is what's doing all that. So props so to Cloudinary. Cool. They're amazing. And props to Kobe for uh, writing this thing. My second pick is the fun pick on the side. Uh, trying to do technical and fun. 
I uh, just watched Dune uh, 2021, and yes, I, I watched the old Dune too, which I'd struggled through. It's it's rough watching it at this point. It's getting a little age. Uh, the new Dune, amazing. Graphics were amazing. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you're an old Dune fan, I'm sure you'll love the new Dune too. Very similar story. So definitely check that out. I'm, I'm going with a friend in IMAX to make sure I didn't miss anything since I watched it on that HBO Max start. So. Oh, I did HBO Max too. I didn't think to go watch it in IMAX. I want to do wow. that now too. That movie. So you saw it? For that. Oh, I saw it. I loved it. What do you, what it do you is think? Really good. Yeah. Oh, huge fan. Huge fan. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, I think Adam from our team tweeted something. Something about like he turned it on, and then suddenly realized two and a half hours passed. <laughs> I was just so engaging for so long. It was. It's hard to get me off my phone, even when watching a movie, especially at home. And I didn't even touch my phone. My eyes were glued to the screen. I, I thought it was really, really same. well done. Hundred percent the same way. Um, and shockingly, like it's got a very unique pace to it. So I was expecting yes. like, oh, I'm going to get bored or whatever. It totally intrigued yes. me the whole time. So I, I was 100%. waiting for the, the next thing, the next thing. So cool. <laughs> Same. Uh, I, I put Steve on the spot to come up with a perfect pick. And uh, before I even asked him, he was talking about this. So this is an amazing product. Yeah, go, go to the case studies tab. Okay, okay. It's at the top in the nav. So what we're looking at yeah. for, for folks on the audio side, growth design is kind of what we're looking through right now. It is absolutely amazing. So if you do anything, like you are a founder of a startup who has a product, or you work on a team who cares about people adopting your product, what these two guys do is they create these interactive case studies. Like if you click on any of those, um, you'll see this kind of cool format that they space. use. Perfect. It did. It did. There we go. Like it fired up. So nice. So they walk you, if you hit the right key, uh, right arrow on your keyboard, yeah, they walk you through their experience trying a new product, what goes through their mind, and how they suggest, um, what are they doing? I'm, gonna, the world's I'm probably going to have to show my reaction while we go the, through this, because this looks awesome already. It's awesome. They do such a good job with these. And they teach you all of these awesome things. <laughs> oh, yeah, this one's funny. So uh, for folks on audio, we're looking at kind of like a cartoon digest, I'll call it for right now. It's almost like a, a comic book strip. Exactly. Um, now they have the, the Headspace app up. Psych levels at 85%. <laughs> the app's firing off. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, and so they sprinkle, you can see here, they sprinkle little tips, what they like and don't like. But if you flip through a few more, I remember the Headspace one goes very badly, actually. <laughs> like oh, they show, so the psych meter on the left is basically like, how excited are they to use this product? And it usually starts in the middle. And if they have a good experience, it keeps going up. And if they start having bad experience, it starts going down. And you'll probably see, I think Headspace, there's a few things at them that make them eventually be like, I can't. <laughs> and they're really good at verbalizing what people are kind of um, unconsciously thinking as they try products. And mm. explaining to you why, you know, um, like if you, if you, uh, so um, I don't even know if I introduced myself, but I'm founder and CEO or co-founder, sorry, of uh, Builder, uh, built the original thing, we have a whole team on it now. And I mean, people, I, as you might have actually, you know, noticed if you tried it yourself, people try our product, but some people just disappear and we're like, well, why? <laughs> we can't read their minds. And so these guys basically narrate what's kind of going on in the back of people's minds as they try products. And you realize these obvious things like, 
I mean, it all comes down to it has to be a good experience at every single step of the process, which for yeah. a complex product like developer tools, it can be very challenging. But then you realize there's amazing solutions. Like we're obsessed with this idea of having an awesome CLI. You just run the command and it does it for you. You don't have to, your psych meter can be high all the time because it's just right. happening and you just say, aha, I built a site builder. This is exciting. But yeah, they have a lot of these and uh, there's a lot to learn if you're at any point, you know, have value in this type of thing, which um, many people, if you work on a product, probably do. Oh, I like it. That's really cool. I've never, uh, never kind of seen how they walk through this. So, so they're actually the the growth design part of this. Are they a consulting firm as well for your applications? Is that is that kind of what they're looking for through these case studies? You know, it's funny. So right now, I think their intent is mostly to, if you find the content valuable, they have a course that they selectively let people into. And um, it's a paid course and it's a whole masterclass. I'm taking the course right now. I absolutely gotcha. love it. Um, I am certain they probably would consult if they have the bandwidth for it. They seem very much like they're going very big on this course right now. So they might turn people away and say, just take the course, which is a good way to scale their time anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. My dream would be for me to take the course, improve builders onboarding, as you might've seen, it's very minimal right now, which is uh, creates drop-offs. So we're going to make it better. And I would love to go back to them and say, Hey, give me your two cents on it. Consults, you know, just give your commentary and uh, go from there. But even if they don't have the time availability, just taking the course has been pretty huge. Uh, I take screenshots of the, the pieces of the course and send it to our team all the time. And like, Hey, like everything they learned there. I'm like, Hey, everybody else needs to know this. It's so valuable. <laughs> no, that's really cool. It's awesome. It's fun. Well, I uh, I really appreciate your time, Steve. Uh, I know we've we've been at it for a good like hour plus, um, which is amazing. Thank you for taking the time to to walk through this with me. I think Absolutely. we are are. Uh, I'm glad I got you hooked in while we we're still on the pod, and so everyone can hold you accountable. We're gonna have to do kind of the next the next piece or like a multi series on Builder IO. This is incredible. Sounds great. I'm game for it. Great. All right. Thanks, Steve. Let's see you soon. Yeah. Thank you, man.